Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is getting by and doing the best they can in these real tough times and I hate to say it but it's going to get crazier in the next couple months and so really buckle up and do what you need to do for your mental health, your physical health and get ready because this is going to be a tough second half of the year here. The title of today's episode is Many Liberals Are Trapped in an Abusive Relationship with Republicans. And it's kind of a weird title, and I and let me let me kind of elaborate and explain where this comes from, and I think it will make sense to you pretty quickly. And this came to me over the last couple of months as I've had exchanges with liberal colleagues, many of them very intelligent, very educated, well-meaning. I've also had exchanges with other friends who've had similar exchanges as I have with people on the left who, again, very intelligent, very well-meaning. And these exchanges have kind of been wrapped around the notion that somehow it's our fault on the left. It's our fault on the left, on the liberal side, the democratic side, for why Republicans hate us and want to support a racist sociopath for president. So here we are over three years in to the Trump regime, the Trump era, and all of the people who are lining up to vote for Trump, somehow it's because we haven't done enough to reach out to them and explain to them our position. We've scorned them. We have called them names, and somehow that's why they're willing to line up again behind this madman and vote for him again. And this strikes me as not only entirely inaccurate, but a little, you know, crazy, right? That in 2020, liberals would really convince themselves that people, the hardcore Trump base, supports this man not because of their own beliefs, and the things they, you know, they want to support, but because somehow it's a problem of we have done insufficient work to kind of reach out to these people. And I started thinking about this thinking, this logic, and I realized that a lot of this behavior from my liberal colleagues and from liberals is has its roots in classic abusive relationships, right? So those who are being abused often think that they must be doing something wrong to arouse such anger in their partner. And so in this case, partner is, you know, the other side of the aisle, the other Americans of a different political uh, vantage point who we share this country uh, with. And so a lot of liberals seem to be really kind of navel gazing on this, what am I doing wrong that has elicited so much ire in these Republicans, you know, they're all well-meaning people, they're all fellow citizens, and if only I did a better job, they would come around, right? Now, the problem with this logic should be obvious to all, which is that it's not the victim's fault, right? The victim of abuse isn't the one at fault. It's not their behavior that's calling the abusive relationship 
um, into question here, right? It's not their behavior that is that is justification for the abuse. When I was looking around for a graphic to for this episode, I came across this graphic that has lists of the signs of an abusive relationship. And I just want to read you this entire list. It's relatively short because I think it will be quite illustrative. So number one, does something, denies it, and then exclaims, you are crazy, gaslighting, accuses you of doing things that you aren't doing, but it's things they are doing, projection, does a great job at promising a great future and then delivering a nightmare, are chronic liars and are highly manipulative, uses guilt, charm, hope, love, obligation, fear, or confusion to get what they want, often likes to agitate, provoke, argue, or crazy make, and then pretends to not know why you are so upset, has a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde personality, has a staggering lack of empathy and sincere remorse for their behavior, yells, names, name calls, belittles, and gives the silent treatment. So this list, when I read it, was just amazing because it, it almost to the T uh, describes the, the current president and also almost to a T describes the conservative movement, right? I mean, the conservative movement is continually talking about what victims they are and then all day long, they just rail and, 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 and basically, you know, a nonstop torrent of abuse against the so-called liberal elites, right? But then they're the first to claim themselves victims of the liberal mob. The ones that engage in incredible racism and corruption and wickedness and then project that out onto others, right? So the list speaks for itself, right? It's exactly the Republican base playbook, right? And so this is the reality, is that we have a large segment of the country who are abusers, right? At every, every juncture, they are lashing out at the, at the, the society, at the wider body, body politic, and abusing the nation. But as soon as you try to look at them, they say, no, that's what you're doing. You have liberal bias. You're the one. And they gaslight us, right? Now, it is the abuser who is in the wrong, right? There is nothing we can do to stop them from abusing us except to leave and to start something new, right? It is not our job to cure the abuser, to cure them of their evil and their racism. Now, again, the abuser metaphor should have been obvious to anyone who was paying attention during the Obama presidency. Obama was the most mild-mannered, open-minded you know, president of probably the generation who did everything he could to reach out to the other side. And what did he get? Abuse after abuse, after disrespect, after lies. And, ev- and where did it end up? With um, you know, Agent Orange calling him a Kenyan socialist non-citizen and doing the whole birth, birth movement, right? And then what happens? They vote for the guy who calls Obama a non-citizen foreigner who's a Muslim who's against America. And so here we are, and now we're, you know, three plus years into the administration of this monster, and we're hearing the same things, 
right? It's liberals' fault for not reaching out, right? Now, I want to be clear here that, you know, there are many issues on the left, and there are many issues, and some of them I will talk about in this episode, but the the core point that I want to just kind of get across here is, is that look at the things that the president promised his people, right? He did not deliver on any of them, whether it's making better health care, whether it's taxing the rich, whether it's building infrastructure. The only thing he has delivered on is racism, cruelty, and evil. And the GOP base loves it. They absolutely love it and can't get enough of it. There is nothing, and I want to be clear here, nothing that we could offer this 90% that will make them change their minds. Because it's not about economics. It's about culture and rage and grievance and resentment. And it's not our job to reach out to the cult members. They are not amenable to reason. So after the break, now that I've kind of just outlined why I think liberals are trapped in this abusive relationship, I want to talk about what it is that this GOP base actually wants and why it's impossible for us to give it to them, uh, both morally and politically. See clearly now the rain is gone I can see all obstacles in my way Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind It's gonna be a bright, 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 sunshiny day Okay So what is it the GOP base wants? And I want to be clear here. This is the base. This is the hardcore Trump-loving GOP base that watches Fox News, reads Breitbart and Infowars, and if you have Facebook, which I hope you don't, is, you know, posting all kinds of conspiracy bullshit on Facebook and probably a lot of it racist. So what is it that they want? You know, so if I was to take the liberal advice to go reach out to this base to try to make common you know cause with them what is it that they want that i could work on well the core that they want is they want to preserve and expand white supremacy that is their core grievance that america is no longer dominated by white men right so i can't make common cause with that because i don't want white supremacy right what else do they want They want theocracy. They want not just white men to control the country, but white Christian men. And they have a very Old Testament version of of, uh, theocracy and Christianity, which is it should be really, really anti-gay. It should be really, really unforgiving and punitive and violent. And it should be essentially racist. Right, So it should be opposed to Muslims being in power and other people with their religious beliefs being in power. It is you know, theocracy of only a Christian slant. They want to deny science. They want to spew their hatred and violence and to make that the law of the land. It's basically a watered-down handmaid's tale. So there is nothing in good conscience that I or any liberals can offer them. What they want is cultural 
dominance of white supremacy and Christian supremacy. And the, the reality here is that most liberals simply can't grasp that 40% of the country is insane and holds these beliefs that are antithetical to basic standards of decency. Now, they see their smiling neighbor. They say, you know, their uncle who jokes at Thanksgiving about, you know, some crazy racist stuff. And they think these are nice people, so they can't be so bad. What is it I'm, I'm missing? And let me be clear. Yes, on some dimensions, these are nice people. But plenty of people who are superficially nice believe horrible, toxic things that are destructive to society. It's easy to smile at your neighbor. It's easy to kind of laugh at your crazy uncle on Thanksgiving. But the, again, I've, I've made this point, and it's just it's really re worth reiterating, that monsters don't breathe fire and have horns, right? Oftentimes, they look completely normal and unobtrusive. And these individuals are infected with a toxic ideology, right? Stuff that is so toxic that it could take years, decades, or maybe even it will be impossible to cure them by the end of their life. You know, many of us have people in our families, you know, uncles, aunts, grandparents, who were racist when we were growing up, and they died racist, right? These toxic legacies of, of white supremacy and toxic ideology that have gone on for centuries are hard to, you know, to get out of people's systems. And absolutely, let's treat these people as individuals with respect, but we don't have to respect their toxic ideology. It is simply not our job to convince and cure everybody who's a racist of their own racism. Our job is to defeat this ideology, to discredit it, and to build a better society for everyone, including all Republicans, right? So when we build this better society, the GOP base gets Obamacare. They're going to get the benefits of clean energy. They're going to get the benefits of lower college tuition. They're going to get the benefits from expanded Social Security. So it's a fool's errand to think that we can change minds in the hardcore zombie base. It's just not going to happen. Now, of course, on the margins, we can and we should. Not everybody you know, who voted for Trump is on a hardcore Trumpist in the hardcore GOP base. So obviously we should speak generally about the rule of law and about better health care and about cleaner energy and about eliminating unfair, you know, unjust racist policies so we can build a good America. The point being is that won't appeal to the hardcore base because they want the racist ideology. They are racist. They want white supremacy. Right. And so, again, we are the victims of GOP abuse. We have been the victims for decades and it's not the victim's responsibility to heal the abuser. So now I want to, after the break, talk about a larger issues for liberals of what the, the, the correct posture is for going forward to actually, you know, implement this project.
Okay, so the next segment here, I want to kind of riff on something that President Clinton made famous. Uh, it was his quote that, you know, strong and wrong beats weak and right. And the reality here is, is that weak liberalism is going to lose to muscular fascism. Now, I don't see the fascist GOP and the fascist President Trump as strong but they are perceived as strong by many people in the, in the public because they never apologize. They keep blaming others. They have a kind of militarism, you know, always coming in, in defense of the, the cops and the police and tough tactics and guns and this kind of toxic masculinity. So again, I don't think it's strong. It looks quite weak to me. But to a huge segment of the population, these symbolisms of, again, guns and the military and police and, you know, never apologizing come off as strong. So liberals, in order to be effective, we certainly don't want to mimic um, and mirror this fascism, but we need to be strong in our own beliefs, right? So liberals blaming each other. And blaming themselves for not doing enough to win, win over the zombies is the definition of weak, right? What does a strong liberalism look like? Well, certainly it shouldn't be blaming itself for the fact that the GOP is fascist. That's absolutely error number one, right? It's not our fault that the GOP is fascist, right? But the real core of a strong liberalism is to know your values and priorities are worth fighting for, and that they are superior to your opponents, right? That's got to be step number one, right? This is not a game. This is a matter of life and death, right? And faced with a party that blocks gun control after young children are murdered and gunned down in school, right? That denies climate science, which is the big existential risk facing humanity, that constantly lies about everything, right? I mean, literally, the right wing lies about everything. And that is nothing more than a front for the plutocracy. It shouldn't be that hard to take a strong moral stance against them, right? Now, again, if we lived in a more normal society, if we were in the UK or France or Germany, where the conservative party was sane and acted in good faith, then I absolutely agree. It would be reasonable to have a more humble position, to really be more circumspect in one's views, and to, to really kind of go for a, a reach to the middle and a more moderate stance. But in America, we don't have that sane conservative movement as a good faith actor on the other side. What we have is a vile, white supremacist, plutocratic cult and it's really a good versus evil, right? The modern GOP is an evil ideology. Trump is evil. His enablers are evil, right? And so for all of their issues, the Democrats in the United States are on the right side of 95% of the time. And if that's not enough to make someone confident in their views, I don't know what is. So when, when staring fascism in the face, which is what we are doing right now in summer 2020, it's best not to blink, right? We simply cannot afford to. We need a strong, 
confident liberalism. And again, given who our opponents are, it shouldn't be that hard. So after the break, I'll come back with the antidote for today. Until the philosophy which old one race superior and another inferior is finally and permanently discredited and abandoned everywhere is war Okay, so on to the antidote for today. It's going to be pretty simple here. Um, Remind yourself that it's not your fault that 40% of the country is insane. It's not your responsibility to cure anyone of their racism or hatred. What is your responsibility is to help defeat the political party that animates these evil forces and uses them to divide the country and plunder the resources of this great nation. Use your political power to build a better society for all Americans. Again, all the things that we on the left, the Democrats, are fighting for will help Republicans and conservatives. Raise my taxes and give free health care to conservatives in West Virginia and Mississippi. That would be great. Our project is to help people. That's why we should be confident in it and not be worried. It's not partisan. It's reality. And so liberals really need to grow some spine because the right wing has no shame and it will burn this country to the ground to get its way. The only way we can stop them is by defeating them. So get in the game, get confident, get strong, and especially in these last few months before the election, really what's less less than three months at this point, just put it all pedal to the metal. Volunteer. Make sure your friends are registered. Make sure you know where you're going to vote and how. Give money to Senate candidates, to Joe Biden. Do what you can to defeat fascism. And then when we get power, we will do things to help all Americans. We're not here to divide people. We're here to defeat evil and put in place good policy. So with that, everybody, I hope you have a great rest of the week. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate it. Please subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And with that, be well. Take care.